0: Hello and welcome back to a new episode. Today we are talking to the adventurer and explorer Mitch Hutchcraft. In September this year, Mitch will undertake the limitless expedition from England to Everest. He's planning on swimming the English Channel, cycling from Calais to Nepal, and then running 36 marathons back to back from the sea to the summit of Mount Everest. Today we discuss his background in the Royal Marines, what it's like to row from the Canaries to Barbados, where he rotated on a two-hour shift every day and night for seven weeks. His cycle across America and his training, preparation and expectations for the Limitless Expedition, which will be the world's longest triathlon. Enjoy the episode. Mitch, welcome to the show. Cheers, for having me, mate. It's been a long time coming, hasn't it? The first... The first oh time we tried to do this, I was projectile vomiting and I thought the audience didn't need to see or hear me vomiting on the side. And then we had a miscommunication and then you've been jet-setting around the world with work, but uh, we're yeah. finally here.
1: Nightmare, but yeah, well, it all worked out in the end. So
0: for you, it all started with the Royal Marines. You're wearing your Royal Marines t-shirt on there. I used to want to be part of the Royal Marines when I was a kid. I used to watch all the documentaries and just read everything I could about it. I was deciding whether I want to be a Royal Marine or to go into cycling. And I went to a, a careers evening and the Royal Marine guy was there and I was chatting to him. And uh, I stepped on the scales and apparently there's like a minimum limit of 65, 65
1: kilos. kilos. And
0: yeah. I, was, yeah. I was like yeah. 59 or 60. He's oh, like, God. mate, you have to eat a lot of breakfast <laughs> yeah. Yeah. to get to the yeah. Royal Marine. So I thought, well, you know, that's not that bad. Weight's pretty good in cycling. So I'll, I'll just go for that instead. But uh, you obviously were over sixty-five kilos when you joined, and uh, how was that process then for you? Because it it's very foundational, isn't it?
1: Yeah, it was amazing. Like you say, I was, but not not I was twenty-two when I joined, so it was a little bit later than some people. But um, yeah, I was I was lighter than I am now. But it was um it was just yeah, it was amazing. Something again, I've always wanted to do it my whole life. I only came out to doing it once. I'm after a bat, after a bit of a tragic event. I Only came out to doing it after my father passed away. Just as something that was like. It's something that he always we always spoke about. something that he would have would have made him really proud. And it was just like, why not? Let's just go for it. So um so yeah. Uh so it ended up just going through the process and, and being very lucky to get through as well. So um yeah, but mixture of luck and hard work. Um but yeah, it was amazing and like you say, it just is there anyway, but it kind of helps set the foundations to the mindset and just the positivity is required for doing crazy stuff and um yeah it's definitely a good uh yeah I, I wouldn't wouldn't take it back for one second but at the same time i wouldn't want to do it all over again
0: <laughs> i was reading up i'm like whoa he's done this and then he's done that he's done that i'm like whoa and i'm like oh he was a marine all right that makes sense
1: i would have always been doing this kind of stuff but it definitely um it, it's it's helped a long way and i probably wouldn't have done everything i've done if it wasn't for for the marines and the, the experiences and you know the amazing people and obviously there's some great not so good but overall it's yeah the friends and the experiences and the what it carves you into is uh it definitely helps in the moments and uh, there's been many you know when you're dangling hanging on by a Thread and uh, yeah, you just remember, you just fall back to one memory, one in particular. I remember, and <sighs> you just always think, Well, nothing's going to be as bad as that moment, so it's fine, <laughs> everything's good. How long were you then in the Marines Fork? Not long, just five and a half years. Um, not too long at all, I would have stayed longer, but it's just climate it's just when you join it's down to luck really you know not a lot of things going on um say amazing people amazing times but it's just as I say it's just kind of luck of the drawing board of when you join what's going on what's happening and after five and a half years I was just had all these adventures in the back of my head and uh, I needed to scratch these itches and it was just time for a new challenge so um yeah that's why, we, that's why I moved on
0: and then what did you move on to? Because phasing out of the military can be hard because it is so it just oh, encapsulates yeah. your it, life, isn't it, it, it? It's your social me. life, it's your work life, yeah. it's your purpose yeah. as well. How did you find that?
1: It was it was okay. It was scary because it was literally during COVID and everyone was like, "You're, you're mental, you're crazy for leaving. Why would you do this?" But I mean, I'm very like life's very short, and my simple philosophy is: if you're not happy, you leave. You know, like it's as, as simple as that. So many people I know that are still in. Very bitter still you know as you can imagine and uh it's very simple like i say i understand people who've got like kids and mortgages it's not as easy but if you if you're not like financially dependent and you're not happy in what you do it's very simple you leave and you find and like you know you find what you want and even if it's not what you want you find you figure it out until you do um so it was very hard yeah but um so i just did what loads of people do just Jumped on a box standard, like kind of clutch protection course, and it just kind of, and then just rolled from there. So, started working in the UK, and then was helped a lot by the company, called Black Onyx, who helped me a lot um, at the beginning, helped me with the row um, when that first adventure came around. Hopefully, it helped me in America. Um, so it's quite lucky, really. And then, yeah, one thing led to another, and then luckily enough, picked up a really great job, exhausting as it is. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, traveling around the world, which is soon to, yeah, come to come to an end.
0: What what do you actually do as a close protection officer, of close security guard? Like what? Come on, what? Give us the inside it, it just track. It
1: depends on the job. There's loads of different vet areas, mate. You know, you've got hostile executive. So you could be one job. You could be in like a in a kind of war zone. You know, helping evacuate embassies or protecting embassies, evacuating press, being security for press. And then you could be just basically working in London for some banker or corporate company, um, or you know, or it could be obviously celebrity or um, them with lots of money basically. And it's just as simple as maintaining, maintaining their, their protection twenty four seven. Basically, sometimes it's good, sometimes it's not so good. But yeah, simple as that. What about the not
0: I mean, good time, so good times? You must have had some shindigs in it.
1: Been quite. Um, It's been, as I say, mostly in the UK since I left the Marines. I've been in the UK whilst funding these big adventures I've done in the last two years. So, yeah, it's been very boring with that stuff. Nothing really crazy going on there. Just trying, just, just, you know, arguing with protesters and that type of thing. And nothing, yeah, it's quite boring. And this job, luckily, it's been amazing. Let's say it's uh, nothing, nothing interesting to report. Just um, no incidents, you know, just really, really nice. uh, Great team and uh, great places. It's just, yeah, it's just yeah no horror stories which i'm thankful for <laughs>
0: so you touched that people were like resentful of you leaving the marines what what were the reasons why people would want to leave the marines after a while
1: it's, it's just down to yourself and you know for me it's just a time for change time for a new challenge uh, it just depends on the person you know um for other people it might be different reasons uh, but it's just yeah yeah it, not happy with the same routine, day in day out, doing the same things every year. You know, nothing. It's not. It's not fault. Say if it's not exciting trips, because you don't hope for that. You don't wish for war or anything like that. You know, it's just the time and luck and and where you are. Really, it's uh, everyone's got their own reasons for leaving. But that was just that was just mine. An itch for itch for adventure and itch and itch for the next the next challenge. Very simple, like I say, life's too short. You move on to the next challenge.
0: The first challenge that you threw yourself into was the row. What was the inspiration behind that?
1: Well, not well, much inspiration in that one. It was, um, well, it, as much as it was, I just, within like four months of leaving, I just had a random friend of mine, um, yeah, turn around who I was working with at the time, um, and he just basically said, How would you feel about rowing across the ocean? And I was like, Sounds. Bloody cool! Let's do it. <laughs> um, I love the ocean. Like I, I love it. Like, i love swimming. And I've I grew up I grew up in um, like Cyprus, and so I loved it. Just love being in the sea. Um, but the idea of you know rowing a tiny boat three thousand miles across an open ocean, it was like yeah, just it was like instantly like yes, that is like the true kind of uncharted ex- exploration. You know, you're not knowing what you're going to come across. And uh, yeah, so within within like after a month after that, was lucky, very lucky. The whole process was very lucky. To be rolled into a team, and then within six months of saying yes, it was like, but most people take years to plan it three, you know, three, four years to plan something. It was very much like, right, you've got six months to raise this much money and to meet these guys you never met before and row across the Atlantic. Do you not have to, like, operate on shift, row for X amount? Yeah, and it, 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 it's simple as that. So every single, like, team that does it is completely different. You know, like, we were completely, I say, completely unsupported. It's not like the race. So we've got no, like, yachts following us, no safety yachts, nothing. It's just me and three legends, just uh, three really nice guys, two ex-marines and one guy who's now actually an officer in the Navy. Uh, but he wasn't at the time. Amazing guys. There's four of us. And, uh, yeah, seven weeks non-stop. Um, 3,000 miles across from Gran Canaria to Barbados. Um, ironically, like being the first team to row to our Barbados as an independent country, which was pretty cool. But um, yeah, so most people work in like two hours sessions, two hour shifts like two hours on two hours off two hours on two hours off we just broke it down a little bit differently like during the hot parts of the day between nine o'clock in the morning and six o'clock in the evening we done an hour and a half on an hour and a half off so one and a half one and a half then from 6 p.m in the afternoon evening until nine o'clock the next morning it went down to three hours on three hours off three hours on just to give you a little bit more time because you never get more than you never get more than two hours sleep in seven weeks in one go, you know? So, but at least then you've got a little bit longer and it's not, you're not rowing the whole time. And that worked well. We literally done that system, um, hour and a half on, hour and a half off and three hours on, three hours off. Um, non-stop for seven weeks we didn't even we never like kind of never changed that and it was that uh, yeah we we're lucky it worked really well 12 hours of rowing a day each um it was like seven thousand calories a day every day it's 12 hours of rowing seven weeks straight nobody getting seriously seasick or or ill and just hard work as well and uh, yeah it was fun
0: that must be interesting because that's such a long period of time and it's such an intense environment obviously with four military guys it it helps but were there any times where i was like close to a mutiny on
1: board yeah, no, no, no. Everyone that. But it's really it's good, actually, cause, like, because we weren't all close friends beforehand. You know, it's like we didn't even meet each other until we got, most of us, until we would literally landed in the Canary Islands, like two weeks before going. So because you're not friends with someone, you, you, you bite your lip a little bit. You know what I mean? Like if you go with your best mate or your girlfriend or something, you know, within a day, things are getting shit. You'd be like... <laughs> you'd be able to say, come on, like sort it out. But we were like... It was, yeah, we managed to just keep it, keep it together and like, um, there's a couple of things, obviously, you know what I mean? Like opening up the hatch and smacking my friend in the head and getting caught up to get for that. But, uh, <laughs> it's stuff, but overall, yeah, it's, uh, I've heard like, horror stories of people thought it out and, you know, but, um, no, luckily, luckily we weren't too bad.
0: Are there any resupply points because surely no. there's like, Nothing. no, so you carry yeah. all your food yeah, and
1: you pack we packed 50 days of military military dry pack rations from from one of the um, one of the marines bases that we managed to uh, previous friends who had been on the road we managed to secure it beforehand so yeah basically 50 days of military ration packs that's it so the second you leave you lose sight of land within a day and then the seven weeks until you see land again you don't see a single person obviously folks in the distance maybe like but um yeah nothing and you have to carry it all when it's there's no space at all when you like start and then it kind of more and more space comes along as you start eating the food but um oh yeah eating seven weeks of eating military rations for seven weeks is just it was there yeah, like five choices of meals but obviously military ration packs are designed to to constipate you they're designed to bung you up because you, to not to not leave ground sign for the enemy that's why they're made like that but you don't think about that before the row. but so within like three, <laughs> three week you're bung like you know you're constipated to the point where it's for every time we go to the toilet. Like I'm talking painful. Like yeah, I won't go into too much horribleness, but it was um, yeah, it was interesting to say the least. One of the many challenges. <laughs> but, so um... not
0: only do you have to deal with high levels of constipation, you just have to go off the edge of the boat
1: um not well you have to really get into the water um to clean to scrape off the uh like barnacles that build up on the bottom uh, which my friend connor did um and uh apart from that you haven't really got to know because as much as like before i was like i am going to go in every day whenever there's whales because we had whales we had swordfish we had dolphins but it was unless the conditions are right and you know what i mean it's kind of really risky when you like if you jump in without being attached and I trust me like within like a week you just realize like salt anyone that does it will tell you salt water is salt water is the enemy it's it's like enemy number one you just you do not want to get it on you anymore you have to like after every single shift you have to completely rinse with fresh water basically and wipe yourself down with baby wipe baby wipes and talcum powder is like the best thing in your life and like without that without that like you just fall apart literally fall to pieces your body would just dissolve um so yeah so as much as it was like, yeah, I'm gonna get in every day. It was like, nah, I'm staying out of the water. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what about rowing at night? That must be pretty weird initially. It's,
1: yeah, it's probably. It's, I think most of us preferred it. It's just beautiful, and especially oh, really? if the like, if it's horrible. Obviously, no, of course not. It's, if it's absolutely pissing it down or you know, gigantic, massive waves, and it's obviously it's horrible. But yeah, the the best moment for me, like for us, by far, was like there was definitely at night. So when it's like. About, about a week in, you know, um, it's literally just like. But I mean, it was at night, but but the water was literally like glass, not even a ripple for as far as you can see. Like literally life of pie If you've seen, it's literally exactly like that. Um, like crystal clear, like glass, glass water without a ripple in the water. Stars so bright, they shine so bright. It's like daylight, shooting stars that burn and turn light, turn night to day for like 10 seconds and then you've got the um dolphin. we had one night we just you had the bioluminescence so every single time you're always touched the water you just have bright green blue purple flashing lights all around you and then we have wow. a pod of dolphins like swimming around us for like two hours they swim underneath the boat in like twos and then just leave a trail of sparkling blue and green light behind them and um yeah obviously that was the, the nights were just the best like when we had nights like that it was just like it was it, like being in the dream. That's the only way you can describe it. So, like, the only thing I could kind of think of is like surreal. Like, it's just, you feel like you're on another planet or in another dimension. So, it was, uh, and we had luckily both like Bluetooth speakers. So, obviously, audio, books, podcasts, music. But for us, it was like me and my partner, it was like a classical piano. Like, we love it. I and Audi. And yeah, so that was, I'll never forget them. That's one particular song playing, Pitch Black. Well, bright as hell with the stars, actually, and then the dolphins, and um, yes, yeah, so the night was night was more ma- was magical. So yeah.
0: So you you come on land and you finished your expedition, and that's yeah. probably an expedition for a lifetime for pretty much everyone. But you yeah. think ah, I was have kind of warmed up, and then you decide to cycle across America
1: yeah yeah exactly so obviously 12 hours every day so, like rowing is a lot to think about so i was pond- always pondering the next thing and like i always wanted to cycle across the united states but across like the deep south redneck country um so but I also but also at the same time my big big plan for the one for the expedition of a lifetime obviously for for limitless came into my head and i was thinking well if i cycle across america that's perfect uh, perfect training oh. perfect training so if i do about five thousand k across across the southern united states uh, from the Atlantic to the Pacific, then that'll be about half the distance of what I'll need to do for my big expedition. So yeah, so next thing you know, less than 12 months later, I was uh, just flew to Florida on my own with my with, with my bike in the box and um, and just winged it, completely winged it, and uh, bloody amazing. So um, yeah, that was incredible. You mentioned
0: Limitless there, which is your big expedition. Yeah, Can sure. you tell us a bit about the intricacies of that?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, it's very... There's a lot of logistics behind it. But no, it's just a expedition that was born out of a dream. Whilst we're in the Atlantic, you know, I always wanted... Everest and mountains has always been my, like, the pinnacle, you know, dream as a kid, you know. And I always wanted to climb Everest from sea level. So from zero metres to the top of the world, which, you know, which is cool in its own. Not many people have done it. No British people have done it. And then... Um, but I've always wanted to ro- swim the channel as well. So I was just rowing, rowing along. And I remember thinking... You know, oh, hang on. Like, if I do that, I've just got to link the middle bit together. And it, it kind of turned it into a triathlon, which is quite cool. So then I just kind of looked into it, and I thought about the timeline of when leaving, when I'd arrive in, like, you know, in, around Everest. And it just kind of, like, you just grew from there. So then, yeah, so then I thought, you know what, no, bugger it. We'll uh, we'll swim the channel. We'll cycle from France to India across 13 countries. And then we'll run 1,300K from India, from sea level in India to the top of the world. Oh, uh, wow. Well, jog run and hike and climb all the way to the top and yeah it just kind of just all kind of rolled into one and then um you know what it did, that dream did not become a reality until I got back from cycling and cycling across the US only like 7 8 months ago when um when a big you know big like kind of hero of mine limbs die perger kind of gave us his support and his company's support and uh yeah it's just rock skyrocketed from here so um but yeah that's limitless in a nutshell is uh yeah twelve thousand k from from dover start line in dover finish line is the summit of everest breaking at least two world records along the way now which i didn't even realize at the time it was while well, i planned it when i was rowing i had no idea it was only six months later when i thought when well, i realized kind of you know the the details of it i <laughs> looked and i looked look into it i was like oh, okay well that's that's, that's handy because as as you know trying to fundraise for something is like it's just so hard at least it's something that's never been done before breaks multiple world records at least it will maybe appeal to people a bit, you know a, a bit more so um it, but so far it's still it is uh, it's still a long road to go and it's uh but we'll get there we'll get there
0: so what current timeline are you looking at roughly at the moment now
1: these the swim is September. The window for the swim is between the tenth of the fifteenth of September. The um the, it's booked now, which was very lucky and hard to get done. Um and then essentially six months. So September, October, November, December, January, February, March. Arriving in eight. Arri- arriving in the, around Everest around April. So April twenty twenty five. So I'm leaving in seven months, but obviously then it will take six months roughly here in touch touch and go to get to um to get from perhaps to india and then get to a base camp but again it's lots of the logistics involved it's just crazy there's no we can't we don't know exactly how long it's going to take here and there so there's a nice bit of cushion room in case something goes wrong you know injury just like breakages and um there's a lot of hopefully there's quite a bit of time for for uh yeah for sorting things out but it's a long it's going to be but that's part of the, the, the journey is just so unknown and like how to do it even how to do it is so unknown that's kind of why I love it you know we've got um I'm partnered with Loughborough University now to fully fully back in the expedition because they're like the whole team um basically like offering services because it's just exciting like I say ne- it's never been done how do you fuel someone how do you how do you optimize like what 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 is you like you know you meant to be shall I, should you cycle to do nine ten hours a day every day for five months to be in a good state to climb Everest straight after or run you know because after the ten thousand k of cycling it's then essentially like 30 back-to-back marathons to even get to everest to then climb it so it's putting on weight trying to get as fat as possible and um yeah amongst all that's a very nice but yeah it's lots of uh to sit here all day until you're up the uh all the logistics but it's, it's amazing it's all amazing yeah
0: <clears throat> what about getting through all of the countries with visas as
1: well especially on bike as you probably know it's, it's a nightmare obviously Europe's not a problem and um, essentially we don't the only country that's an issue is Iran obviously yeah. it's in, yeah, accessible through like obviously Russia and that at the moment um, through all the stands and that it's just nearly, it's pretty much impossible because also you're hitting the MLAs in in winter as well by the time I arrive so you're talking four or five thousand meters of elevation minus 20 you know it's uh it would be it would, it's crazy but um, so yeah iran is the only kind of knuckle point um and if you're british american you know it's nearly it's very hard to you, you can't apply for a visa and and without going through a travel agency like as in like a tour touring a tour operator from iran so um so yeah that's all in the process now um it the visa, are basically applications in, you know, you have to write that you go, you have to book through a company an Iranian company, and then they write you a letter of re- a big letter of recommendation. Um, you know, saying okay, he's going to pay this much money, um, because obviously when you when you get in Iran, Iran's three weeks, two and a half thousand kilometers just for one country, for Iran, and the the person, the guide has to be with you every single day. He even has to sleep in the same hotel as you. You're not allowed to camp. You're not allowed to do anything. But um, they've they've literally made a 21 day journey from picking me up on the border of Turkey all the way to the border of Pakistan, um, and it's just the case now though you can't apply actually apply for the visa until four months before you're arrive so i don't even know until may if the visa is going to be approved so that's the crazy thing but i have got plan a plan b the only kind of other option is um it's not really it's not really it's not it's not ideal at all but if, if all goes wrong then um then when i get to the iran border in turkey i'm gonna basically do a big dog leg around the entire south coast of turkey back to Istanbul, which is the exact same mileage as iran and then li- Fly to Pakistan go to the border within 48 hours 72 hours and carry on from exactly where we would have crossed the border exactly where you would have left off so it's still the exact same distance exact same that but um, I'm hoping obviously I'm hoping it doesn't come to that because Iran is just apparently beautiful, and the people are amazing. And people I've spoken to that have done it, you know, are just Mark Beaumont when he was soccer around the world. He went through Iran, and I spoke to him a couple of weeks ago. Actually, we we're going to hopefully do some training together. But uh, he, he, when he spoke about it, Iran was one of the best places he went through in terms of, you know, hospitality and the, the country being beautiful. So I just really hope that that comes through. But um, if not, it's out of your hands politically. What can you do? You can't be upset or you can't it's not it's not it's not anyone's fault so um just do the exact same mileage do a detour do two and a half thousand k and then carry on from where i carry it on from where we left off well when so, leveson
0: would walk the nile he couldn't get into egypt like mm-hmm. they wouldn't let him in for anything so he had to take the boat around and then walk back to the border with egypt and then there's go
1: through. A, there's always ways isn't there There's always it's always hard and um yeah like i say it's not ideal but uh, if it comes to that then it comes to that and it's still the same obviously just phys- physically physically it's, it's the same difficulty um but it, it will just be a bit gutting missing out on um what uh, such an interesting country so
0: yeah i was speaking to nick butter who was the first guy to ever run a marathon in every country in the world and he no. was two two weeks out from completing and he wouldn't they're one of the countries wouldn't give him a visa. And they were all sat there at the evening and been like this like this is it. The whole challenge has just gone down the pan. We've been at this for like three years and this country wouldn't give him a visa. And anyway, then he eventually got it and it was all good. You think like the physical part of a challenge like this is the hard bit. But that's that's the straightforward part. No, that's not the,
1: the physical physical part of it. it's not even worrying me. Um I know oh, but Although it should, but it's going to be horrible. But like you say, that's it now is the is the political, it's the logistical parts, which is great. It's an amazing plan it, but like it's just a nightmare. It's all the worry of not hitting your target, and obviously because this, this is all for as we go on to, this is all for an amazing like charity, and it's all you know, letting them down, letting people down. But you just can't worry about it because stuff that's completely out of your control, like visas, I have just learned not to care, not to worry, because you can do all you can. But the, yeah, yeah. But all you can do is, as with any fit adversity, you can find a way around it and you can just push through, find a plan B that might not be ideal, but just get through it.
0: The cycle and element will be a lot of fun initially because you're bashing yeah. through so many different countries. But then yeah. once you get to Istanbul. From there, we
1: will four countries. countries. Yeah, of course, yeah.
0: And then with that, which will be very interesting, I think, from a, a personal point of view of the people with whom you'll meet, what support crew do you have coming with you? Are you gonna interact as much as you can necessarily with the public, or is it gonna be head down and, and crack on with it? No,
1: it will be interact as, as much as you can, because as much as, I love this, the whole, everyone says, you know, it's the journey, but it is, it really is, like, it's. this isn't a time trial, you know, for example, it's, it's the world's longest triathlon, but it's not, it's not a time trial. For me, I actually, if I'm doing something which would be the longest, probably hardest thing, expedition of my life, I, I'm I'm I love people, I love the world, I love social I love being sociable. I'm not gonna just put my head down and go, Boof, you know. part one good thing about cycling is obviously you, you can go you, you clock up the miles you can you can go really far in one day but at the same time you're going at a pace fast enough to, to see the beautiful world as you know so that's why it's like yeah so i'm gonna have hopefully loads of people joining me on different on different legs you know people joining me on I'm meant to have one person a legend um friend of mine he's actually just walked around the uk twice he's about to finish the second lap walk around in the uk he's he wants to join me for the entire 10000 k cycle but i've got other people joining me on other bits so i'll have support morale in that department but um the, the, the capacity is not known yet but it's been you know it's been Basically made, being made into a documentary as well hopefully we've got people who really want to help with that, so hopefully obviously will have them with us as well through a lot of it um, but like you said, that's all the way to Turkey when it's relatively safe and straightforward um, the whole way through Turkey three weeks, it's literally picked up at the border, if it happens then um, we're picked up by an, Ira- an English speaking Iranian cycling guide a cycling tour guide um, for Iran and um, in a vehicle, so it will be a, a vehicle escort with an English-speaking Iranian the entire way from day the entire way across Iran, and then um, and then luckily when I get then when I get to Pakistan and India, Elite Expeditions are uh, absolutely amazing people and company. Like I say, Nim, Nims Nims Dye's company, um, they're helping me out massively. They're helping me get the visa for Pakistan and guiding me pretty much from all the way from Pakistan to in, through India all the way the whole way there so um again the exact details are still obviously in process of who's what and who exactly will be meeting me but um so yeah it will be kind of as much interaction and people across europe and then a vehicle escort all the way across iran and then hopefully still vehicle escort and some amazing guides and people in pakistan and across india and all the way to everest
0: and then why did you choose to run such a long way to everest Speed
1: to see summit, like I say, I'm going to be carrying most of the most of my kit as well. I'm not. I'm going to be having a lot, so you know, it'll probably be more of a what we call speed march pace in the you know the Marines. It's like you know nine, ten, probably like nine, 10 kilometers an hour, which is you know say it's pretty much still a jog. Um, it's going to be fast. And yeah, probably, <laughs> probably most um... people listening to that have been like. That's my half marathon pace, well yeah well, yeah, yeah, like I say it's there's no again, there's no set pace i'm not i'm not I'm not making guidelines, must be this must be this, it will be once we get there, it will be um yeah one thousand three hundred kilometers on foot basically averaging around if not just under a marathon distance five six days out of seven days a week with like maybe one day rest a stretch, and then continue <laughs> it's gonna be uh, very full on um but it's to say the reason why, though, like I say, is because of that whole dream, you know, to go from standing in the ocean to standing on top of the world. Um, Is like the whole reason, you know, I could I could just go from the cycle, even if I, I could just go from the cycle straight to Nepal and straight to Everest, but um it's kind of adding adding, adding about a thousand k for myself <laughs> because I want to I want to go on foot from from sea level to the top rather than like on a bike if that makes sense um but it's all yeah it's still lots of stuff in here but um we'll see how it pans out
0: in Everest as well to cap off you say the world's longest marathon a lot of people would say the world's worst the world's, yeah. world's worst Drugs
1: work. Yeah, yeah.
0: What What okay. is the mysticism when it comes to Everest? Because a lot well, of I... people have lots of different levels, deep, the meaningful reasons to climb Everest. And then George Mallory, his reason to climb it was because it, it was there.
1: there. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But that's I mean, without standing things. That's probably my one of the main reasons. It's just as probably most people will tell you, since since being since I can remember, it's just been like that pinnacle of adventure and like exploration and. Being on top of the world again. I know it's not. There's, I mean, I appreciate. It. There's hundreds of mountains that are harder, much more, much more beautiful, in fact. Um, you know, but it's just there. That, that monster, which just lives in, lives in your imagination, from when you can breathe to um, when I was like, like ten years old when I when I was reading books for the first time properly. Um, again, reading Mallory Irvine and. Um, if so many books on Everest. Brian Blessed climbed it. I remember reading the book on when he tried to climb it. Massive, um, massive inspiration, that book, Galahad on Everest. And it's just, it's just, everything about it is just, yeah, I just love it, the challenge. And um, it just encapsulates everything that you dream of as a boy,
0: you know. When looking at a big adventure like this, you have to ask yourself to what extent is it intrinsically motivated? What extent is it extrinsically motivated? Where would you sort of fall on the balance? Because I feel like the best barometer of these things that if you could tell no one about it, would you still do it? Good question. I
1: mean, I definitely would. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not just saying a lot of people would say, you know, like I say, when I first thought about this, I had no, and uh, I first thought up uh, the trip in my head, I had no, no, thought of we're going to document it it's going to be world records it's going to be this of course like anyone that tells you that all that stuff is great of course but it is an added bonus you know intrinsically it's yeah it, it intrinsically is the biggest reason it's that it's that um that Picking up your own challenge and doing something that you've dreamed of and and, and achieving that—that that is the number one point. But of course, like extrinsically, like you say, um, for the charity that I'm raising money for—for for, you know—if if I manage to pull this off, it will only be help, help me in future. Of course, there's an extrinsic part of it, which is like if I'm well in my head. Obviously, if I'm going to do something which I was always going to do, which is part of me and who I am, then let's absolutely smash it and make the most of it. Make the most of it in every respect. In terms of let's raise half a million for this charity. Let's make something amazing out of it to show people to inspire them. Let's just do what we can.
0: Tell me about the charity because it's it's, it's unusual, but I really like it.
1: Yeah, no, it's, yeah, it's, it's it's kind of weird because that's why I chose it because it encapsulates something I'm passionate about. So it's called Sab Sim, which stands for Savora Simul, which is Latin for saving together. Um, and basically, their two two pillars are mental health for Veterans in transition, and veteran—not just veterans though—also um, like police officers, anyone suffering mental, mentally with like transitioning into civilian life, PTSD. Um, so they're a completely non-profit organisation who have literally made a mental health course, living and living in, and sleeping and working on the zoo, the London Zoo and Whipsnade Zoo, using animals and nature and therapy to help them. And um, but also on the other half of that is they send they u- utilise the veteran skills by sending them to um, they operate in. Countries in Africa at the moment, like they just literally two weeks ago got back from a private rhino reserve in South Africa, but they send the veterans to do a deal warning program to save the rhinos, anti-poaching. So it's using the veterans anti-poaching and um, and also. The back at home, the mental health courses for people for people struggling. But we're trying to the more we make, obviously it costs about nine ten grand per person for a week's course for everything included, staying at the zoo, everything. So we're trying to just make as many courses as possible. But for me, I I worked in zoos and I worked with animals before the military, long before the military. I've got a um, advanced diploma in zoology and animal care. I've worked in. In uh, kennels, stables, zoos, wildlife parks, um, for like four years before I joined the military, and yeah, animal care conservation, is particularly, this has been massive. So then, when I kind of stumbled across these guys at the road in the, after, after the after the Atlantic, and then before cycling across America, they were like, "Oh, yeah." So basically, you know, they combining, combining animal conservation, anti-poaching, and veteran and mental health for veterans. It was like, yes, that's just that's a bit of me. <laughs> that is what I that's what I want to bleed and sweat sweat for. Um, you know. And it's yeah, and so they're very small, like I say. You could pick you could pick a big charity like a lot of people can, because they can maybe give you more money or support you more in that, but it's the it's the people that are smallest that need the most help so you know people people need their voices heard so so yeah that's uh we're hoping to put them on the map
0: So good i didn't realize that you had a background in zoology that's like yeah. literally the perfect charity
1: yeah that's, that's what i mean yeah that's it's just great so yeah hopefully between now and september i will i will be going out to south africa or somewhere like that to, to do any poaching and save some rhinos and and just kind of combine all the skills that you learn in the military as a, as a civilian like pti as well you know training the ranges in in fitness shooting everything so being able to combine all these kind of random skills into something that actually is 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 really cool so um, yeah that's the
0: that's the hope you mentioned there that between now and september you're gonna head off to africa what is the timeline looking like obviously there's a lot of training in which you're going to be putting in the hours and you're also quitting your job at the end of this yeah. that's that's a real
1: balls on the line situation. Oh massively. Yeah. It's just okay. Well, it's not real there's no there's no real timeline. It's just a case of right up or seven eight I've got seven months now to get my head down and absolutely put everything into into training because I've got obviously a training programme swim I'm you know, trying to swim at least like four four, five K every day at the moment. That's what, that's before any cycling. Um so putting my head down into that, putting my head down into meetings and sponsors and hopefully, you know some filming in the build-up and stuff to this with the charity and all that. So um, it, it's just kind of a case of there is no set plan of what happens at the end of this month. It's the case of I'll be able to just do as much and make it happen. You know, um, I'll be able to be available to make everything happen.
0: That's all teed it up very nicely. People are excited. Yeah. They're going to want to follow you. Where yeah. would be the best place to see all of your training, all of the behind the scenes ahead of this uh, trip?
1: At the moment, yeah, everything if everything's centralized on we have a website, but everything's centralized on um the one Instagram account. Um this is just the name. So my name Mitch Mitch But also the website is twelve thousand Km to Everest Simple as that, twelve thousand Km to Everest And uh yeah, so the journey's gonna be intense.
0: Well, Mitch, you've been an absolute treat. We can't wait to keep up to date with all that you're doing. Thank you very much for coming on the show.
1: Cheers for having me, Joe. Take it easy. I hope this helps you out. Helps some people out.